Greetings to each of you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> it's a blessing, it's a privilege to be here. I count it a privilege, not because I'm no great speaker, but the one I serve is great. And so I count it a privilege to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ this week, and I covet your prayers. I will not be saying much about myself, but I would tell you a little bit about my family. Uh, Sally is currently spending a day and a half or so with Galen and Colleen Yoder at Gladys, and then she'll be going home. Her mother fell recently, broke her arm up here high, and so she's got 24-hour care. And so Sally will be spending some time taking care of her in the middle of the week, then hopefully, hopefully driving back down and spending the weekend with us here. So I'm looking forward to Sally coming and spending time with us. Uh, we do have six children. We have 15 grandchildren and another one on the way uh, next month. Uh, I do serve at the Peak Mennonite Church. Claire Heatwell is our bishop. Elam Heatwell is a retired pastor, still preaching. Uh, Dave Miller is my co-pastor. Samuel Gearing is the deacon, and we feel blessed. I feel like we have a good team to work there at the Peak and feel so blessed to work with those men and what they bring to the table, and God is good. There was a man from our congregation that said, hey, I have some relatives down there at that church. Please tell them hi for me. So if any of you know, let's see, a Kervin Good <laughs> said, tell you hi, give you his greetings. So I've done that. We have a, a grandson recently that has feet of clay just like all of us do and he had something that was kind of interesting that happened I'd like to share with you. He and a, another one of his cousins were squabbling over a toy and they were not getting along very good and my grandson kind of squared his shoulders and marched over to this other uh, cousin ready to set the record straight and all of a sudden he stopped and he went and did something else and some of the older ones happened to notice and said Nikki what happened what happened it looked like you was going to go and take care of business and he said I was going to take him out but then I remembered the Bible <laughs> You know what? Out of the mouth of babes. I hope you and I can be as responsive to that, that maybe this week you might be tempted to do something, but remember the Bible. Uh, we do plan to have children's meeting Tuesday and Thursday. So children, uh, bring your mothers and your daddies uh, tomorrow evening and Thursday, and we'll see if we can have a, a lesson for the children. I would like to briefly say that there are three things that I would like to keep in focus this week. Number one, that Christ would remain, would be central. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus must be central. 
Another thing I want us to keep in mind is the effectiveness of God's Word. From Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The effectiveness of God's word. Thirdly, I'd like us to remember the importance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in this work this week, John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine and show it unto you. It's my desire that the Holy Spirit would work in and show us things maybe we were not aware of. I was really blessed this evening with the first song we sang, um, and I'll tell you why. I don't always pray this prayer, but sometimes I do. I pray that, Lord, please help our service uh, would mash together, coordinated as you choose, uh, the singing, the devotional, the prayer, the Sunday school hour, and everything. And we sang that first song. And uh, I would tell you that I do plan to have a theme this week. And I thought this song, 585, led right into it. I won't spend long. It says, Lord, I am fondly, earnestly longing into thy holy likeness to grow. The theme for this week is changed into the same image. That's my desire. And so it might take just a little bit of time, but I would like if you would, if you would join me and stand and we'll say 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 together. This is our theme for the week. I'd like to go over these verses uh, before each sermon. And I'm hoping that there's going to be some brave souls here sometime during the week that say, okay, I'm willing to take a stab at it. Lest you think that us as preachers don't struggle in some of this. There was a, several years ago, there was an a evangelist that came to the peak and he gave five verses out of Romans chapter 5 that was a little more obscure and he wanted us to learn those verses and I thought well I'm the preacher well I certainly should try to learn them and it was a little more obscure and I studied and studied and I struggled and I think about Friday evening I went ahead and said them but it was a poor rendition but I did my best so if you don't get it perfectly I won't call you out so let's do these verses 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 Verses 17 and 18. Let's say that together. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated.
if you don't mind. I'm not a teacher, but work on your homework. And uh, let's see if we can say those verses each evening and later on. If some of you want to try it, I'll certainly give you that opportunity. <clears throat> Maybe sometime we hear the question, well, what would you most like to accomplish in life? I'm not expecting a verbal answer to that, but more importantly, what is it that you think God most wants to accomplish in your, in your life? And brothers and sisters, I personally believe that God desires that you would grow in the likeness of the Son. I think that's one of God's greatest desires for you and for me, maybe this week, that we grow in the likeness of the Son. <clears throat> this evening, at the beginning of the message, I'd like to begin with an analogy and then make a spiritual application from this analogy. The words are a little harder than some, but pay close attention, and I think we can get the uh, gist of this reading. This little reading is called The Right Kind of People. Gone is the city, gone the day, yet still the story and the meaning stay. Once were a prophet in the palm shade basked, a traveler chanced at noon to rest. What sort of people may they be, he asked, in this proud city on the plains? Well, friend, what sort of people whence you came? What sort, the pikemen scowled, why knaves and fools? You'll find the people here are the same, the wise man said. Another stranger in the dusk grew near, and pausing cried, What sort of people here in your bright city where towers arise? Well, friend, what sort of people whence you came? What sort? The pilgrim smiled. Well, good and true and wise. You'll find the people here the same, the wise man said. So what kind of a parallel, spiritual parallel can we make from that? These two men came to the same city and they found exactly what they were looking for. And brothers and sisters, I believe the same is true here this week. You will get exactly what you're looking for. Is this week a meeting an inconvenience or an interruption in your schedule? You'll get what you're looking for. Brothers and sisters, is this an opportunity to seek God? To draw close to Him? You'll seek. You'll receive what you're looking for. Not because of me, but because of Him. What are you going to receive this week? You'll get what you're looking for. The title of the message this evening is Formed in a Question. This is a very important question. It's a very personal question. And each of us as individuals have answered or we will answer this question sometime during our lifetime. And the way in which we answer this question will determine our destiny in eternity. The title of the message this evening is, But whom say ye that I am? You know, 
What we say or think about Jesus will never in any way change his character. Do you believe that? What we say about him doesn't change his character, but I submit to you that what we say and what we think about Jesus has everything to do with changing our character. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 for the text this evening. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I'm either nervous or dry. I'm not sure which. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, or some Elijah, and some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. But I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. My wife and I had opportunity four years ago to go to Israel. We went to Caesarea Philippi, and we went to there. It's interesting. I would encourage you, if you get an opportunity to go sometime, go. It seems like it just really opens up the Word. Uh, At Caesarea Philippi, there is a, a mountain there, and there's a cave with a, a hole that is about 15 feet tall and about 25 or 30 feet wide. And um, some people thought that that was the gates of hell where, where the, they thought this, this cave would lead all the way down to the inner recesses of hell. And also over to the right, I mean, Jesus came and he told his dis- disciples, you know, whom do men say that I am? But he said, what about you? What do you say? And over at the right, there was a temple area, the God of Pan. Many of the heathen would go and they would worship the God of Pan here. And so Jesus gave them the opportunity. What do you say? What are men saying about me? But then he said, but what about you? It was very personal. What about you? What do you say? I believe that that question that Jesus asked continues to ring 2,000 years to our day in 2024. The question is not so much about what do men say that I am, but tonight to you, but what do you say? Peter's faith in accepting Jesus as the Messiah was a prerequisite to his great confession. For without Peter's faith, there's no confession as to the true identity of the Lord. And I'm blessed by what I read there. Jesus said, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Faith had to be, it was imperative for Peter to respond as he did, because it's impossible for a virgin to, to conceive and bear a child outside of an earthly father. But what did Peter say? He said, 
Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's beautiful. It had to be by faith. It, flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you because it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Mary could, be, uh, could have a child as a virgin because of the Son of the living God. And I'm blessed by that. There were a lot of skeptics in Peter's day. A lot of people who doubted the person and deity of Jesus Christ. And the same is true in our day. The atheists and the evolutionists, they would believe something like this. If we can explain away the existence of Almighty God, we do not come under His authority. And I personally believe that's what many of the skeptics in our day, they don't want to come under the authority, so they want to explain God away so they don't have to come under His authority. And if that's true in their minds, there are no absolutes. Everything is relative. There's no right and wrong. Life is all moral, and we can live our lives as we please. Now that's false, we know. But I believe that is the goal of many skeptics today. They want to explain it away so they don't have to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And many others in our day subscribe to a similar philosophy. They would hate to be categorized as an atheist or an evolutionist, and yet, if they continue to resist God's call to submit to Him, the result is the same. So... Who do you say that I am? Let's turn to Luke chapter 5. I like to hear your Bibles. You're with me. Thank you. Bring your Bibles and let's look at the Word together. Luke chapter 5 verses 15 to 26. But so much the more when the fame abroad of Him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by Him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went up to the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw him, I'm sorry, and when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, what, what reason ye in your hearts, whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Not weird things, 
We have seen things beyond our expectation. That's the God that we serve. Verse 17. Drop back to verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day that as He was teaching the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, it says down there, the latter part, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. It means force or miraculous power and usually implying a miracle. How many of you have wished that sometime I would just really have liked to seen the miracles of Jesus? Turning the, uh, the water into wine or you know, feeding the 5,000. But brothers and sisters, what about the regeneration of, of a soul? Isn't that a miracle? I think that's the greatest miracle. And I submit to you that there's nothing that mankind can do to bring about reconciliation between his own sin nature and Almighty God. I'll say that one more time. I believe that there's nothing that mankind can do to bring about reconciliation between his own sin nature and Almighty God. It takes a miracle. And who knows, that could happen this week here. I'm blessed also. It says that there in verse 17, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who is them? Did that include the scribes and the Pharisees? The power of the, was present there to heal them. In John 8, 41... Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they made this remark, we be not born of fornication. They did not accept the virgin birth. But I submit to you that the power of the Lord was present and available to meet all the physical and all the spiritual needs of those there in that great multitude. But the power only affected those who would reach out and accept their that power. Maybe, maybe you men have worked hard all day long. You've worked hard and you come in and your wife has prepared, uh, or your mother, has prepared a really good meal. How much nutritional benefit are you going to get if you sniff it from a distance? The scribes and the Pharisees were sniffing from a distance. The power did not affect them because they did not reach out in faith, would not accept it. They said, we be not born of fornication, would not accept Jesus for who He was. And they didn't receive much. Brothers and sisters, I'm saying here, what do we say about Jesus make a difference in what we receive this week? Is He just a good teacher? A good man? Was he an imposter? Some of them said he, he deceives the people. Or is he who he claims to be? Is he the Messiah? It'll make a difference in what we've received this week. Let's make sure this week that we don't sniff from a distance. There's one thing that really impressed me about this passage. And it's in verse... 16. And I ask you the question, how is it 
that Jesus had something to offer. Is there any connection between the power that was available in verse 17 and the discipline that Jesus had in verse 16? Do you understand what I'm saying? The power was available to heal and to do whatever miracles that needed to be done in verse 17, but how was that power made available? Let's never forget, back up to verse 16, and He, Jesus, withdrew Himself into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus knew the origin of the power. He knew it. He had to approach and commune with His Father to receive the power. Do we? And brothers and sisters, I don't care if you're preaching a sermon. I don't care if you're teaching a Sunday school class. I don't care if you're training your family. Do we recognize how important it is to spend time with the Father? And that goes for me as a preacher. How about you? If we think, well, you know, because of some experience I had back a year or two ago, or I did this or I did that, uh, just kind of go off of that. That's a recipe for disaster. Are we seeking the power from the Father? That's where it's available. Jesus said, without me, you can do... Thank you. I like response from the congregation. I want to make sure you're not sleeping. I don't think you are. But I may do that some more. Without me, you can do nothing. There's power available in the Father. Let's make sure we go there to get it. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, I'm blessed by that. They dropped this man down in front of Jesus and it said, when Jesus saw their faith, so I ask you, do you know anybody with a spiritual need this week? Are you willing to bring them to Jesus like these four friends did? When Jesus saw their faith, He had compassion. And was Jesus able to meet the needs of this man? Absolutely. He was able to meet the needs. And let's never forget the verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And we know that... Whoops, just a minute. Um, we know He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask and think. And you know, we can think and we can pray about some things. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above that because of His power. And I encourage us to seek that power, the power from the Father. Spend time with the Father like Jesus did. So you have something to offer. People that have questions, difficulties, problems. There's power available in the Lord Jesus. Let's move on. Whom do you say that I am? Let's look at Mark chapter 10. Here we have an account of another man who had great need. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Another, verse, another version says, Shout! Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
And many charged him that he should hold his peace. You're making a commotion. Be quiet. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good cheer. I'm sorry. Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. It's my understanding that Jesus and the disciples were in Jericho and they were heading to Jerusalem for the uh, for the Passover, uh, I thought I didn't realize it was quite as far. It's my understanding it's 18 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem, and it's up quite a quite a steep climb. Uh, I think there's 4,000 feet rise on the elevation, and it's a serpentine trail and a dark, dusty, dangerous road. But anyway, at the beginning of of this. They met this man, Bartimaeus, uh, and he desired to be healed. And I ask you, what was the significance in the way Bartimaeus addressed Jesus? He said, Jesus, thou son of David, the Messiah. He was recognizing Jesus for who he was. I'm talking about, who do we say about Jesus? He's just a good friend. He was a good man. Or is He the Messiah? Is He the Savior? Jesus, Thou Son of David, have mercy on me. Recognizing Jesus for who He was. Verse 49. I ask you, was blind Bartimaeus, was he deterred, was he deterred by the opposition in his, in his quest for healing? When they said, Bartimaeus, be quiet. You're making too much... I don't want to get too vocal vocal here. Can't anyway. (laughs) Was he deterred in in the opposition for his quest for healing? No. He cried out all the more. Was he willing to identify with the Savior? Jesus, thou Son of David, have mercy on me. Was Bartimaeus, was he willing to identify his need? He said, Lord, I want to receive my sight. Was Jesus able to meet the needs of this man, Bartimaeus, who sat by the roadside begging for a few pennies? Can you imagine a man who was begging for a few pennies? And Jesus said, what? Thy sins be forgiven thee. Is Jesus able to meet the needs? He is able to meet the needs far more, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. This man asked, but did Jesus meet the needs far beyond what the need was? It also reminds me of Philippians 4.19. I think it goes something like this, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in Christ Jesus. 
Do you think that Jesus can meet the needs here tonight? The first question that was asked there in Matthew chapter 16, who do men say that I am? And you know the Bible tells us of how a lot of people answered that question. And I'm going to share a few of those. The leper said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The chief priest said, we have no king but Caesar. Nathaniel said, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. The religious leaders said, we be not born of fornication. We're talking about how people answered the question, who is Jesus? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The woman at the well said, come, see a man that, which told me all that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the Messiah? The high priest said, what need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. The one thief said, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? That's correct, exactly. Those people that I just read to you, various responses some rejecting, some accepting Jesus for who He was, and you can see the varied responses. Jesus' question tonight is not, what do other people think about me? But the sobering question tonight for you and for me, but what about you? What do you say? Who is Jesus? The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I ask you, do you believe from our reading that we read earlier tonight that the power of the Lord is present to heal them? Who is the them? Is that you and me? Is there power here tonight? There is because of Him. Because of the Holy Spirit, there's power here. And I'm not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit can work in your life, in my life, and maybe helping us to realize that there is something offensive in your life that is detracting, deterring, interrupting, inhibiting our relationship with Christ. And He can tell us what that is. I'm not the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for us to hide our sin from God. When Jesus addressed the seven churches there in Revelation 2 and 3, He said, one th- he said several things about every one of the churches. One of them, He said, I know thy works. He knew the works of the seven churches there in Revelation 2 and 3. And I submit to you, He knows the works of the congregation here at Ebenezer. And more than that, He knows 
the works. He knows your works. He knows your heart. If there's anyone here that has sin in their life, are you willing, like Bartimaeus, are you willing to identify your need? Are you willing to confess that need? Are you willing to ask Jesus for a miracle? It's so interesting. The church at Laodicea, they had a a perspective of their own spirituality. You know what they said? I should be able to quote it without turning to it. There's three things that they said about their condition and they missed it horribly. Because thou sayest, I am rich and I am increased with goods and I have need of nothing. How much you reckon they received? People that don't have no any needs probably not going to receive a lot, right? That was their perspective. But what was Jesus' perspective? He, he said, Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Brothers and sisters, let's be careful. There can be a tremendous difference in our perception of our condition and what God sees. I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit is able to make known if we have needs in our lives, are we willing to listen to to Him? I'd like to close with Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. This is Jesus as He relates to this church that had a lot of needs, that was wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Verse 20, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I, Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you that there is no doorknob on the outside of your heart. What does it say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, turns a knob, opens the door, you and I are the ones. He can be there lovingly inviting you and me, knocking, but He will not open the door. It's up to you and me to open the door. And if we do, I will come into Him and will sup with Him and He with me. So I would like to give you all opportunity to this evening if the Holy Spirit has identified any spiritual needs within your own heart. Is there anyone here? I don't know this congregation, but I don't need to know. Could there be some that are coming to the age of accountability and you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? We'd like to give you that opportunity. There could be someone here this evening that, secondly, that has gone back on your commitment to God and you backslidden and you know it. 
I just don't have the peace. I don't have the joy that I used to. Something's wrong. And let me ask you, who do you think moved? Was it God or was it me? Maybe you feel, thirdly, like your relationship with God is lukewarm and you desire to recommit your life to Christ. I'd like to give you opportunity this evening. I'm not one who spends spend a lot of time. I don't, I don't think I do. I don't put a lot of pressure and take a lot of time. I'd like to give you opportunity if, if you would desire to respond to the message, just stand and raise your hand. Or if you desire to come forward, someone, one of the ministry would be glad to pray with you and help you find your peace with God. So, raise your hand, come forward. But I was just encouraging. Be, be open, be transparent with God if you feel like you have a need in your heart, in your life. What shall we sing? Uh, let's sing Just As I Am in 2.35. Okay. <clears throat> verse, if the Spirit has been speaking, respond to the loving call. like to thank you for your attention. I don't think I saw anybody sleeping tonight. And thank you for that, for your attention. Attention to God's Word. Once again, uh, remember tomorrow evening is children's meeting. And then <clears throat> Wednesday evening, uh, make sure your passports are up to date. Uh, make sure uh, you get your tickets. We'd like to fly out of JFK uh, Wednesday and fly nonstop into Tel Aviv and then take a trip, a road trip uh, into J Jerusalem, the old city, and take a walk up to Golgotha, the place of the skull, and take our sermon from there. So, Lord bless you.
give you uh, a good day tomorrow, and uh, let's come back and see what the Lord has for us in the coming evenings. Shall we stand?